Welcome to Asia Abridged, where we highlight the best moments from Asia Society events. I'm Eric Fish. In this episode, we look at the crisis stemming from North Korea's ongoing weapons testing and fears that it may soon possess a nuclear-tipped intercontinental ballistic missile capable of hitting the United States. In these clips from an event at Asia Society in New York, analysts from South Korea and the United States weigh in on the situation and the limited options for dealing with it. We start with Sumi Terry, a former CIA analyst and deputy intelligence officer in the U.S. National Security Council. She discusses informal talks that she was part of in June with North Korean officials in Sweden. I was pessimistic to begin with, but when I met them and had this in-depth discussion for three days, including drinking and eating at night and trying to get cozy with each other, I came away even more pessimistic than ever before because, and this is not myself, my American counterpart also had the same view and the Swedish guys who hosted the whole event. Um, said North Koreans right now, they emphasize over and over, denuclearization is completely off the table. We are, are, we're smoking something if we think this is something that's achievable. They said this is not negotiable, it's over, it's done, this is not something that we can talk about. We will meet and talk about peace treaty, peace regime, and having that conversation. But we are so, so they said they emphasize that one thing. Second thing they emphasize is we're so close to completing the nuclear program. We're so close to perfecting this nuclear arsenal. We did not come this far. And then they, you know, predictably gave us the example of Libya, Iraq, and say, you know, of course, from our perspective, this is the only means of regime survival. So we're this close, so that's off the table. And the third thing that really gave me some interesting impression is that how, how little they regard, I mean, to respect to South Korean colleagues here, I know South Korean government doesn't want to hear this, but North Koreans have said, and when we talk about peace treaty, it's, it is with the United States. U.S. is our counterpart. South Korea, you are puppet of the United States, and we don't even need to have you in this discussion. So it was very frustrating, the whole event, to see how much the South Koreans want like, what can we do to give, you know, what can we do to improve relationship? What can we do to improve bilateral relations? And I just don't think that's necessarily is going to get to if our goal still is denuclearization. And I think then we need to be very clear about that. Um, is this a really, a realistic goal? I know we will always forever say that because we cannot not say that, um, <laughs> right? But I, I just think it's almost like we are just in the same cycle and we're not moving ahead and we're not even thinking about what's, so I, I, we just have a fundamental different perspective on this and this is sort of my takeaway which was you know very very depressing and I'm sorry to report that but <laughs> that's just a state that we're in. Danny Russell is diplomat in residence at the Asia Society Policy Institute and former assistant secretary of state for East Asian and Pacific Affairs. He said that with the right pressure North Korea could potentially be brought to the table. The Trump administration and Kim Jong-un are engaged in what for lack of a better term you could call psychological warfare. As Sue explained, Kim Jong-un is trying to convince the world that it's hopeless. It's a lost cause. North Korea has crossed the Rubicon. They're a nuclear power. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't put the toothpaste back in the, in the tube. And so you might as well get used to it. And since their capacity to wreak havoc is so phenomenal, uh, it's better to buy them off, to pay them off. Wouldn't we rather have a period of quiet, even if their centrifuges were spinning in the background, even if their technology continued to advance, at least there wouldn't be these big explosive nuclear detonations or, or missile launches. This is his gambit. Uh, it's a pretty conventional shakedown 
uh, familiar to anybody who watched uh, movies, movies about oh. gangsters in New York or Chicago. <laughs> Conversely, the game for the Trump administration, and let's face it, uh, President Trump is the fifth president in a row that has had to deal with mm. the prospects of a nuclear North Korea. And no U.S. president is going to accept that North Korea is a legitimate nuclear state. That won't happen. What the U.S., South Korea, and others in the international community are trying to do, need to do, is to create a set of circumstances in which uh, Kim Jong-un is forced to conclude that his efforts just aren't working. And that since North Korea as an economy is not a viable proposition, they need a lot of external support. They need access to the international financial and transportation infrastructure. Can Kim Jong-un be convinced that this is just not working? Nothing that he does is making North Korea a strong and prosperous nation. Nothing that he does is convincing the international community to relent and accept uh, North Korea as a, as a Pakistan, as an in India. Nothing that he is doing is weakening the U.S. ROK alliance. In fact, it's strengthening the U.S. ROK alliance and the U.S.-Japan alliance and increasing trilateral coordination and infuriating China to boot. This is not a tenable proposition, and time is not on his side. This is what the effort by President Trump, Secretary Mattis, Tillerson aims at doing, creating an environment in which, since giving up his nuclear uh, capacity is, as Sue pointed out, the last thing on earth the North Koreans want to do, making it the last thing on earth that Kim Jong-un can do in order to hold things together in Pyongyang. He said, though, that at the moment, North Korea is showing little interest in making any concessions. But that doesn't mean the U.S. and its allies are helpless. There's an important distinction between curing a problem. People are fond of saying, oh, our strategy has been a failure. Well, Mm -hmm. if you can't cure something, then you've got to manage the condition. And we have been managing it through strong deterrence and defense, managing it through tight alliance coordination and the imposition of sanctions, which create a tremendous amount of headwind on North Korea. If you're looking at the world from Kim Jong-un's point of view, it does not look like an unblemished success for your policy. And thirdly, engagement. There is going to have to be some engagement and negotiations in order to find a peaceful outcome. But until and unless the North Koreans signal that they're prepared to negotiate and negotiate on the nuclear issue, which is the crux of the matter, we'd be spinning our wheels. Chung In Moon, who's currently serving as special advisor to newly elected South Korean President Moon Jae-in, noted that South Koreans are in a particularly vulnerable situation. North Korea doesn't need intercontinental ballistic missiles or nuclear weapons to devastate the South. It already has that capability with conventional weapons. And the intensifying rhetoric and threats of military intervention from the Trump administration, which was already seen as a wild card, worries many South Koreans even more than Kim Jong-un does. Yes, crime and punishment, you know, maximum pressure in North Korea could work, but there are some concerns on the part of South Koreans. That is what, time may not be on our side, okay? North North Korea could eventually 
acquire nuclear weapons, undertake six nuclear testing, acquire international, you know, intercontinental ballistic you know, missile, and etc. Then the environment for negotiation might become much more complicated and tougher. And then another concern is this, if that continues, then we could encounter major catastrophe on the Korean Peninsula. Therefore, particularly liberal forces in South Korea are concerned on those two aspects. That is, you know, if you, at times it may not be on our side, and if we, we, if we mismanage, there could be a catastrophic outcome on the Korean Peninsula, then eventual victims will be South Koreans <coughs> primarily. I do agree that time is not on our side because they're just continually developing a missile nuclear capability. But the question is, how do we get there? We, we're, on one hand, what we are saying is, um, we need to, the maximum pressure is about f trying to get Kim Jong-un to realize that the last possible solution is like regime survival. The nuclear weapons is the only way to regime survival. No, this is how you're going to lose regime survival. So we're trying to get them to understand that. Somebody mentioned earlier about sanctions, how uh, that you, uh, sanctions have not been effective. But on the pressure side, we can't quite say the sanctions have not been effective because strong sanctions have been really in place since maybe February, March of last year. It's not something that's been around for a decade. And when you look at Iran, Iran sanctions have been in place for three years. We have secondary sanctions in place. So when you compare to some other countries, uh, it, the pressure has not been maximized on North Korea. And as you know, for sanctions to work, you really need enforcement. This is why Mr. Trump has gone to Xi Jinping and this, well, the previous presidents as well, trying to get China to play ball. And if China does not play ball, I think the Washington's next step is to go pursue secondary sanctions against Chinese entities and banks that do illicit business with North Korea, which is, again, fundamentally at odds with, I think, where the Moon administration is in terms, in terms of how they think uh, we should improve relations with North Korea. So we can say all the nice things here, but I do think that we have some different approach here that we need to eventually uh, come together because, as Annie said, the most important thing is for Seoul and Washington to stay on the same page. She reiterated her original skepticism, though, that any amount of pressure or sanctions can persuade North Korea to denuclearize. This presents a limited set of inconvenient options. What is the realistic long-term option? I know we, we, we might not, what is the realistic long-term option? And I think at the end of the day, and again, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking candidly because I'm not in the government. I think long-term solution really comes down to <coughs> two options, which is deterrence, living with it, right, given if they're not going to give it up, living with North Korean threat, with deterrence and continuing pressure. Um, and everyone hates to talk about this, but maybe even a regime change, or I'm just saying it's one option, or another option is a military op option, and I think even all the hawks in the United States, no one really thinks military option is really on the table, despite what other people have said. People say all options are on the table. That's been actually, even the Obama administration always said all options are on the table. But realistically, when you look at Trump's senior officials, you know, Mattis, Tillerson, McMaster, none of these guys think that the military option is really on the table, right? Because everybody understands, forget nuclear weapons, even just conventional artillery. The North Koreans have over 10,000 conventional artillery pieces that are zeroed in on Seoul within 60 seconds of 20 million people that you're talking about, 200,000 U.S. experts, 28,500 American soldiers. So if you have that option off the table, while we're pursuing sanctions, maximum pressure, and trying to give them an off-ramp, when they don't, and they do get to that point where they do, they do test a successful ICBM that can hit mainland United States, because that's the critical threshold for United States' perspective. That's, that's really, what do we do then? 
what are our options? What are, so I think this is something that we really have to give serious consideration. Thanks for listening to Asia Abridged. If you want to hear more, you can visit our show page at asiasociety.org slash podcast, where you can also find the link to the full video of this event. You can also subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Asia Society. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.